You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everybody. Um, so we are continuing in our, uh, in our examination of the question, what's the point of Judaism? Uh, talking, yeah, no, very <laughs> provocative, huh? Um, and we're uh, going uh, really, uh, in some ways, mitzvah by mitzvah. Um, uh, through the Torah um, to uh, to talk about you know what what would be the reason uh, the rationale uh, behind any given Jewish uh, um, uh, uh, practice or custom um, and uh, and and not just you know what's what's the you know what's the you know namby pamby reason behind it but I want to get to the deep psychological um, impact of it um, the the human need that it is uh, trying to address under the theory that. Um, that that everything in the Torah um, is uh, is is meant to um, address um, to uh, to serve um, some uh, some profound uh, human needs, some human yearning, um, and uh, uh, and and I think you know, as we've gone through, we've uh, we've we've uh, uh, tackled some very difficult ones. Uh, and some of them, uh, some of the ones uh, are are pretty clear and pretty obvious that we don't really need to spend a lot of time on. And you know, Maimonides in the in the Guide of the Perplexed already kind of categorized these. Right? He said that there are laws that have a rational basis. You know, things that you would expect the Torah to um, to command or to prohibit. Right. So you would expect. Um, a Torah that purports to be good and moral and just, uh, and to uh, make for a, uh, um, a a good human society, to ban murder, um, to ban kidnapping, etc. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily expect that kind of Torah to uh, to uh, demand uh, the burning of a red heifer in order to uh, purify one from uh, from Im- uh, from impurity due to contact with the corpse. Uh, so, what's the what is what purpose is that? Commandment trying to serve, um, and we've been roughly following the the uh, chronology of the uh, the weekly Torah portion in, in doing this, um, with some flipping back and forth. Uh, today is going to be one of these days of, uh, of of flipping back because I want to uh, talk about Yom Kippur, and there are really two elements of uh, of Yom Kippur that are most relevant to us. Um, and I was d- debating about which of them that I was going to uh, uh, do, but I figured that uh, I would start really at the uh, at the essence. The two elements are the, the notion of Yom Kippur altogether. Okay, uh, the idea of having a day of atonement um, is sort of odd, and I'll get to that in a second. The other one that I, that I'm not going to talk about, but it's an interesting one to think about, is uh, the notion of fasting on Yom Kippur. You know, what's what's the point of fasting on Yom Kippur? Um, couldn't we achieve atonement? Couldn't we, you know, um, uh, do the kind of uh, um, spiritual work that we're supposed to do with, without fasting? Um, so, what what purpose does that does the fast serve on Yom Kippur? But I thought it would be better to to um, to start at the beginning um, and talk about the why Yom Kippur uh, in in the first place, um, because only then does it make sense to talk about uh, uh, why fast on Yom Kippur. Um, so next year we'll talk about why fasting on Yom Kippur. Uh, this year we'll talk about why Yom Kippur in the first place. And when you think about it, it's a sort of odd thing, right? Um, it's not necessarily um, odd that, uh, that that we should have um, uh, something in the tradition that calls for. Um, uh, repentance, making amends for the things that we've uh, done wrong, 
right? There is a um, there's a social need for doing that, right? Uh, um, uh, in, in there there are those that argue, and I think very convincingly, that there's a biological need for that. Um, we are uh, biologically wired uh, not only to exact vengeance on people and to hold grudges against people, but we also have biological uh, uh, wiring uh, to uh, to forgive people and to seek forgiveness uh, from people. Um, it's it's something that's uh, um, uh, built into us uh, um, uh, evolution uh, from an evolutionary perspective. Um, so there seems to be it's pretty it's pretty it would be pretty clear, and there are passages in the Torah that that uh, that are under understood to command tshuva, um, the process of, of repentance. There are passages in the Torah that, uh, that, uh, that demand that we not hold grudges or take vengeance against people. Uh, in, uh, in Leviticus chapter 19 are, are those passages. Um, uh, um, and uh, and and so we have, and there there are passages in the Torah that uh, that ask to make expiation for for transgression and things like that. So we have all of those things, um, and those things I, I imagine um, make sense even to a non-religious person, right? Even to someone who's sort of totally outside the tradition. Um, you know, uh, uh, you're, you're you're atheists or you're uh, anti-religion people. Even they. Um, would would argue for the most part, I think, that uh, that that uh, um, that seeking and giving uh, forgiveness um, is an important thing to do. Right? There's a whole host of reasons uh, for it, and, and it serves a real human need. But a day specifically reserved for that seems kind of odd. Why do we need a day, a unique day? Um, a coordinated and centralized day um, uh, to engage in tshuva, to engage in repentance, um, and to be afforded atonement for our transgressions. And even more so, when you think about the, the notion that according to, um, according to the rabbi's understanding of the Torah, the way Yom Kippur works is that the day itself provides atonement. Right, atonement meaning, um, in in effect, wiping the slate clean. You know, offering a uh, um, a, a, a a new beginning for uh, uh, for the new year. The day itself, in some way, um, uh, serves that function. Right. So for uh, for some things, as we'll see in just a moment, for some things, even without repentance, Yom Kippur affects atonement. And there are other things that repentance doesn't really work for until you get to Yom Kippur. Right, so repentance is a necessary component, but you also need Yom Kippur. Right? And then there are a few things, of course, that you can repent for, and Yom Kippur is sort of a, a nice addition, but it doesn't really uh, matter one way or the other. Okay, so, the, so, there are, so there's something, uh, um, I, 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 I hesitate to use this word, but there's something in some way, it, something like magical about the day of Yom Kippur. Um, something unique about the day itself that uh, that that helps um, move along the process of, uh, of of repentance. It affects atonement itself. So that's kind of odd. What human need does that serve? What does that do for us? So I want to think about that question, and and I and I want to maybe uh, ask it in a personal way. What does Yom Kippur? What does having a day specifically reserved for this do for you? Personally, let's look at what uh, the Sefer Achinuch says about it. This is the text that we've been uh, uh, working through, and this will be our jumping-off point for conversation. So, here's what uh, the Sefer Achinuch says about it: 
Mishorshe HaMitzvah. So we're in the uh, um, number one, Mitzvah number 185 in the uh, second paragraph of this. We're in the English at the root. In the Hebrew, Mishorshe HaMitzvah, the root of the commandment. Shaya Mechaste HaEl Al Briotav Likboalehen Yom Echad Bashana Lechapara Alachataim Im HaTshuva Shiyashuvu. Okay, so the root of the commandment is that it's among the um, the the, uh, the mercies of uh, of God that God has over His uh, creation um, to affix for them one day in the year uh, for atonement for their sins with their tshuva, with their repentance that they uh, that they uh, perform. Okay, so so here he's he's making clear that uh, that the essence of Yom Kippur is that it's a day that affects atonement, right? a day that wipes the slate clean, um, but with tshuva, with repentance. She'ilu yitkabtsu avonot habriot shana shana titmales atam lesof shnataim shalosh o yoter. Because if God had allowed the sins of humanity to accumulate year after year, the uh, it, uh, the measure would become so full at the end of two or three years, or more than that, v'itchayev ha'olam klaya, and the and 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 the world would uh, require destruction. In other words, there's a uh, there's the uh, our our transgressions don't just accumulate on us. There's a uh, there's a cumulative effect of uh, of wrongdoing. That if we uh, if if we personally commit uh, uh, commit crimes, if we personally uh, do things minor or major that we oughtn't do, that's one thing, and they accumulate on us. But the aggregate of all of us doing that um, uh, also has a cumulative effect. Um, and the proposition is that there's only so much of that the world can take. There's only so much uh, human wrongdoing that the world can take. Uh, and so, at a certain point, there'd be a tipping point where the world couldn't exist anymore if there was so much human sinfulness. And so, Yom Kippur exists to help shake that etch a sketch, right? It's it's been scribbled over and over, right? You can't write anymore on the etch a sketch, so so you either need to shake it or throw it away, right? So God says, okay, well, we're going to shake it, we're going to wipe it clean, because if not, you wouldn't be able to use it anymore. It would have to be destroyed. It have to be thrown away. Um, so I wonder if, if we just probe that for a minute, what that means from a uh, from from a human perspective. Yeah, Larry. I'm looking at footnote number two, mm-hmm. which is associated with what you're just discussing. Could you sort of look at it? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. So footnote number two, uh, for those of you uh, in cyberspace who don't have this page, um, gives a quote from the from the Babylonian Talmud tractate of Odazara. Uh, uh, page 4a um, and it, uh, it offers a parable um, of a man who collects debts from two people one his friend and one his enemy from his friend he takes payment bit by bit, from his enemy he exacts payment all at once it's the enemy part that uh, I'm trying to relate now to Yom Kippur and the idea of doing something in the aggregate So, in other words, you're reading Yom Kippur as the collecting the debts all at once, or you're... That's what I assumed this. Yeah, so I was reading it a different way, although I, I, I see the ambiguity of it. Um, 
And and I looked up the passage in in, in Avodah Zarah there, and it's not talking about Yom Kippur, so it's an interesting uh, source to have chosen for this. Um, um, it's it's talking about a totally uh, unrelated matter. Um, but uh, um, I, I was understanding taking payment bit by bit to mean you know uh, each year God um, exacts a, a, a little bit of a, um, a little bit of the payment. Right, a little bit of the atonement, a little bit of the tshuva, so that uh, so that the whole debt's not absolved. Right? God doesn't wipe away every sin, um, but what God wipes away enough sins that uh, that that we're not saddled with the with with the debt. Right, saddled with the with the burden of it. Matt, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm no, I, I just be curious for your thoughts about the relation the, the, the relationship of this idea that the world would become a sentence for destruction. In a sense, I understand that. Right. That, but it ties in with something I really find repugnant, which is, and it cuts across all religions, basically. There are the Hasidim who says, well, the Holocaust occurred because people didn't observe the mitzvot, uh, and, and, uh, and, and sometimes you see in the Christian religion, people say, well, uh, this is God's punishment right. because people are not uh, behaving properly. And so, and, and in a sense, this mirrors that kind of thinking, the world would become, right. uh, uh, the, the innocence would perish along with the guilty because of the sin, because people have all these sins that we're allowed to build up. So, right. Can I take that a step further? Because I'm thinking of <coughs> at the end of the story of Noah, we're told I won't destroy the world anymore. Right. Uh, so I guess, is Yom Kippur an answer? Is that part of it, or is he reaching this conclusion independently, or... Yeah, so it's interesting, I mean, it's in, so those are both really good points. I, I want to talk about Luz first. Um, it's interesting that he doesn't bring up uh, the, the Noah story here, because um, that's exactly where my mind went uh, as well. Um, and, uh, and, 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 um, uh, I, I imagine that, that he, that he had in mind a relationship between the two, right? That, uh, that, that, that Yom Kippur is the antidote for, uh, for, for Noah, right? Uh, God won't destroy the world anymore. And the way God won't destroy the world is God's hand would be forced if there weren't something like Yom Kippur. Um, so, uh, so we have Yom Kippur. The, what, what, uh, what, what you're saying, Lou, is a, um, um, really important point. I guess there's a couple things I want to say. I mean, the first is, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the the dominant theology in uh, in in Judaism for uh, much of its history, though not all of its history, much of its history um, is the theology of um, uh, God uh, uh, rewards and punishes, um, and uh, and and sometimes you know massive catastrophes um, are punishments for uh, for for transgressions. Um, you know, you see it throughout the Bible, right? People, you don't have to look as close as the Holocaust, right? The Bible is is almost entirely written from that perspective, right? That uh, that the destruction of uh, of uh, of the northern tribes, right, in seven twenty two by the Assyrians happens because of their total abandonment of, of God. The the destruction of uh, of uh, of Jerusalem and the temple happens because of that, right? Um, uh, the you know the um, uh, uh, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, okay, so you have that. Um, on the other hand, um, uh, what, what you're describing um, talks about a world um, um, uh, in which there is this institution of Yom Kippur. 
right? So, um, so to describe the Holocaust in those terms, even in this scheme, I think would be an abomination, right? Um, because we don't live in that kind of world, um, and um, and uh, and and it's not talking about um, um, the 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 punishment of the Jews for their sins. It's talking about the destruction of the entire world for its cumulative transgressions. Um, and uh, and that's I think it's something of a totally different order than uh, than, than the Nazi genocide. Um, so uh, so so I don't, I don't think that they're they're necessarily related. Although I could see the the uh, the, the connection uh, being drawn. Um, it's by the way not the only theology that's possible in Judaism. Uh, it's not my theology to to um, think that uh, um, that uh, God affects that kind of. Um, a direct punishment for transgression. I think it's just not um, cl- not. Uh, it's obviously not true from a, from an empirical observation of reality um, that uh, uh, that that wicked people uh, flourish all the time and righteous people suffer all the time. Um, and uh, and and uh, and the only way to really deal with that is to say, well, either we don't really understand what good or bad is. Um, because there's some you know big divine plan that uh, that 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 is good, um, even though it looks really bad here, um, or um, or there's some sort of deferred you know reward and punishment uh, uh, later for people. Um, um, so those are really the only two ways to to deal with it under that scheme. So I'm not really prepared to go to either of those places. Um, but uh, but I, I'm not sure if that's necessarily what's uh, um, what's going on here. And I want to add a couple of things. The first is. Um, I don't think that there's such a thing, and this is one of the insights, I think, from the um, uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah episode, and it's one of the reasons that even though we read stories close in proximity to that episode in the Torah, on Rosh Hashanah, we don't read that story, because what that story indicates, and I think that there's a real a reality to it, is that there there's no such thing as a completely righteous person. There's no such thing as a completely blameless person. So, you know, if, if, if we talk about, you know, wiping out the innocent with the guilty, I'm not sure if there's such a thing as an innocent person. Um, there are people who are innocent of certain things, right? and there are people who are guilty of certain things. Um, and, but I love, you know, what, uh, what, what, what Heschel says, and the, the, you know, the, the line sticks out in me and, and is true um, in a number of different contexts, right? That, uh, that, that um, in, in a society, some may be guilty, but all are responsible. Um, you know, so, and I think that that's part of what's going on here is that the the you know we have a responsibility for the uh, cumulative impact of uh, of transgression, right? So it's not just what I've done; it's what my neighbor's done, and what my community has done, and what my city has done, and what my country has done, um, and all of those things weigh on me personally, impact me personally. Um, I think I agree with you, and I think that it is an individual point of view focused on the individual in spite of the fact that we we say we have sinned, we have done all of these things. But I think it's because we can, as human beings, we can become inured to the sinfulness around us. Mm -hmm. Not only our own, but we get used to things. Like we get used to deceit that happens in our country and others. We get used to fraud. We say, well, what else is new kind of thing. Right. So we we are lowered because we become so used to it. Right. You know, and I think that that's a really great insight for this uh, notion of 
um, you know, you don't have to think about it so literally as, uh, as you know, if we didn't have uh, a, a time to sort of call our attention forward in that way, a time set aside to call our attention forward in that way, over a period of, uh, of a number of years, um, uh, we would sort of become uh, complacent to uh, human evil. Um, and human evil would be allowed to just run rampant, and the world would be destroyed because human evil would be totally unchecked. Right? I mean, um, I don't know how many people saw the president's speech last night, but there's a, and I don't want to get too political about this because I'm, I'm very torn about what to do in, in Syria as well. But there is a sense at which you know um, that uh, that that it's that, it, that that it's important to have a moment at which uh, the the, um, the the civilized world comes together and says, um, you know, all the evil that's perpetrated under our watch, there's a point at which we can't tolerate it anymore. Right and uh, and and we, we don't want any of it, but certainly we don't want to go past this line, right? And um, and that's really important because um, because if we if we just sort of you know uh, um, uh, uh, abide it, um, then um, then there's uh, there's there's really no barriers in place to prevent. Um, to prevent it from seeping out into all corners of our life, and then really there would be a massive destruction over maybe it wouldn't be two or three years, but a period, a longer period of time. And this is not just with chemical weapons. I think that you know we have this in uh, in in our uh, environmental responsibility too, right? There's a there's a certain uh, um, uh, abandonment and complacency that uh, that we have. You know, that we've been told for for a while now that uh, um, that uh, um, uh, and there's a broad scientific consensus of uh, of uh, human-caused uh, climate change, and we know what we can do about it, um, and uh, and there seems to be a lack of political will in the in the worst offending countries to do something about it, um, and so people are sort of uh, they're like, okay, well, it's, you know, we're resigned to it, right? And yeah. uh, and and with that resignation, you you know, can lead to real catastrophe and destruction. I, I don't want to take us off track too much, but. You know, one of the, the great significance of Holocaust education is the, the survivor generation is, will be gone soon. If you compare it to the World War One generation, which is gone, which lived through chemical warfare and the horrors of it, and, you know, a lot of the world seems to have forgotten or lost track of exactly how horrible it was. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm also torn, but I respect the president for recognizing that we supposedly had taken a stand on this. There is one difference, and I think I see that as a factor. Sarin is quick. You get hit with sarin, you're gone. But it's a horrible way to die. Yes, but mustard gas didn't kill as much. It just (coughs) cleaned everybody, and they were around for years. Yeah. With the, the results of the mustard gas, and I think that is one of the differences. At least that's one that I see. It. Because um, you know, no, the pictures come and go in our in our uh, society today. You know, what yesterday's news is not tomorrow's news. So the hospital stuff came, the videos came, and now something else is in the news. And that's yeah. one of the prices we pay. But mustard gas was a lot. <laughs> just let, ran on and on for years. A whole generation was affected. Yeah. So I want to um, uh, uh, finish up this paragraph, um, and we'll do it in the English just to see where he goes. 
um, because no, we we still don't really quite uh, you know why why a particular day. Therefore, in God's wisdom, blessed is God. God saw fit for the endurance of the world, for the you know, the ability of the world to continue, to set one day in in the year for the atonement of the sins of the repentant. And again, of the repentant. From the beginning of the creation of the world, God des- designated it and consecrated it for this. Um, which that's an interesting idea. This existed from before there was a Judaism, before there was a Torah. God had always put Yom Kippur in, and so maybe that's the connection to Noah's flood that we're supposed to see. Um, although, but it's talking about if you look at the footnote, it's talking about um, literally the first day of creation. Uh, Yom Kippur was created, right? Um, an interesting thing. Um, uh, and since so there's something built into the fabric of creation that we need one day. Um, and since God, blessed is God, designated that day for atonement, that day became hallowed, and it received the force of purification from God's self, be God exalted, so much so that it assists, it assists in the atonement. This is why the sages of blessed memory said in many instances, and the day of atonement atones. In other words, the day has power of itself to atone for minor transgressions. <coughs> so I think what's going on here, you know, why a, why a day? Right? And it's something built into the fabric of creation, which is to say that it's something um, intrinsic to, to uh, being human. It's something um, necessary for, for the continuation of, of the world. I think that uh, um, we, we need repentance. We need forgiveness um, for, for our own uh, failings. That's something that, that is clearly uh, a, a human need. But why a particular day? I think that it, that, that it brings the world into this um, because, of the, um, because of the cumulative impact. Um, because that one day has the force of bringing us together as a collective to examine not only ourselves, but to examine our role in that collective, and to examine how the collective is functioning uh, in general, to, you know, to examine what we're doing as individuals, what we're doing as families, what we're doing as communities, what we're doing as cities, what we're doing as countries, what we're doing as a world, um, and to do what we can to try to right those wrongs um, in the limited capacity that we have, at the very least, um, as uh, as individuals who have a role in that in in that collective, and only by doing that, only by having that one day set aside where we come together to do it, and uh, and and where we where we uh, um, can. Um, uh, 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 know that, uh, that that this is the boundary by beyond which we can't pass, right? That uh, that we've had a, we've had lots of lots of opportunities, but but here finally is your time to stand before God and uh, and time to stand to together to examine where we are. Um, uh, having that having one day one centralized time to do it, um, I think fulfills a profound human need, if not for any other reason than because humans have a propensity to procrastinate and to forget and to ignore and to hide right and so here is an opportunity um, and a, a reality of confronting who we are and where we are um, and being unable to hide and it says something about the power of this notion of one day that um, that it is um, of it is one of two still today in our uh, a time where there is widespread Jewish non-observance because of our many sinin because of our many sins, um, uh, there's widespread non-Jewish observance, um, 
Yom Kippur is still, uh, they, they say, you know, you do something on Yom Kippur that could mean I go to a breakfast, even though I've eaten bacon cheeseburgers all day. But people, uh, broadly speaking, do something on Yom Kippur. Right? There's power in this notion of having, uh, of having one day. Because it, uh, if we say, well, just repent every day, we don't come together, and we might forget. There is power in that it's the community who comes together. Right. Even, as Charlotte said, you yeah. may focus on the individual, really for the no, only time of the year. The, it is community. Hashem knew, we right. send, we right? Yeah. Right. But if you look at the word atonement, I always think of it another way, and that's at one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we are one on that day. Right. One people. One people at one with God, hopefully, um, and, uh, and hopefully at one with humanity, and that means um, uh, repairing um, uh, what uh, the ruptures that, uh, that that transgression and that evil makes in the fabric of, of each of our lives. Um, so I wish everybody a, uh, a, a meaningful and powerful Yom Kippur, an easy fast to uh, those who fast, uh, and a Shana uh, Tova, Happy New Year, Gemar Chatimah Tova may be described for goodness in the coming year.